Welcome to the Nature Reliance Podcast, where we explore the history and practical experience of the great outdoors and discover new ways to connect with nature. I'm Craig Cottle, your guide through the fascinating world of natural living and survival skills through experiential education and interviews. Today's episode is brought to you by the Nature Reliance School Online Membership, an immersive online learning experience designed for outdoor enthusiasts just like you. Are you passionate about the outdoors? Do you crave more knowledge about disaster readiness, wilderness survival, bushcraft, tracking, and nature awareness? If so, the Nature Reliance School online membership is your gateway to a community of like-minded individuals, all dedicated to learning and sharing essential outdoor skills. With the Nature Reliance School online membership, you get exclusive access to a wealth of resources, including expert-led tutorials, interactive webinars, and a library of engaging courses, downloadable books, and documents. Whether you're a beginner or an experienced outdoorsman, there's always something new to learn. So don't wait. Click on the link below to join the Nature Reliance School online membership today. Embrace the wilderness, enhance your skills, and become part of a community that values nature as much as you do. Now, let's dive into today's episode. This podcast is sponsored by Gaia GPS, trail maps for all your adventures. Try the best app for hiking, hunting, off-road, and professional outdoor maps. Plan and research, sync your data, navigate and record, and browse hiking trails in popular parks. And best of all, you the listener can get 20% off your membership by selecting the link provided in the podcast notes below, provided on our website at naturereliance.org. Craig and I have been using Gaia for a long time, and we love it or we wouldn't promote it. The 20% off is only good with the link provided. Gaia GPS. In this episode of Lost and Found, we have as our guest today the Chief of Wolf County Search and Rescue, John May. We open with John's background in search and rescue and how he got started, followed by Craig reminding us the purpose of these Lost and Found episodes. John then lays out the original plans the fishermen had for the day. We discuss the 911 call and finally the actual rescue itself. Scattered throughout the podcast, we cover topics such as maps, phones, phone apps, locator link used in search and rescue, hand lines, information collected during search and rescue events, and much more. We then close the podcast with a few questions for John and information pertaining to search and rescue as a whole. I've got a question for you. Think about the most awesome place that you could go trout fishing. Have you got that picture in your mind? Does it look like a cliff in the Red River Gorge? <laughs> well, if it doesn't, then you need to listen in today because we got a fantastic Lost and Found podcast for today where we're going to go trout fishing on a cliff and learn what we can learn from it. And that's going to be with a special guest we'll introduce in just a moment. But as you well know, Tracy Trimble, our co-host, is here. He's going to be guiding this conversation. How you doing, Mr. Trimble? Mr. Craig, how are you doing? Dude, I am wore out. I'm telling you right now, I'm wore out. Hey, did you get your workout in? Shut up, Tracy. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> I actually did, but, yeah. but turd. The workout yesterday and today is getting prepared for this land navigation class. Oh, my goodness. 
here's the thing. Everybody listening in on Nature Reliance Media, if you're not getting involved in Nature Reliance School classes, then, well, you're just missing out. We've got like 23 people from, I can't remember how many different states coming in this weekend to the great Commonwealth of Kentucky to learn how to never get lost in the woods again. Fortunately, hopefully, that's what I heard. That's our goal. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Got a bunch of stuff in the truck packed. Going to do this podcast and then head that direction. I'm excited. Yeah, I got a little bit more uh, packing to do after the podcast, and then I'm, I'll meet you up there at camp. All right, dude, tell us about our guest, and let's get him on in here. Well, our guest today is John May, who is the uh, search and rescue chief for Wolf County. And Wolf County Search and Rescue Team is the team that I serve on. And I can tell you without a doubt, John gives many, many, many hours per month volunteering to help our community. So let's welcome John May to the podcast. John, how are you doing? Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, thanks for inviting me on the podcast this morning. I look forward to the conversation. Well, we thank you for taking the time out and sharing uh, with us your expertise in lost and found and your many years of doing search and rescue. Could you take just a few minutes and tell us about yourself, John, specifically about the search and rescue and your experience? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I guess I've been doing this uh, for about 16 years now, so definitely uh, spent some hours in the Red River Gorge area. Started back around 2003, and it was kind of interesting. I actually, uh, you know, back in 2003, I just wanted to try to give back to the community in some way, and I actually went to, to join the local uh, volunteer fire department. And uh, when I went in there, the chief of the squad said, hey, do you know that they're trying to start a uh, wilderness rescue team here in the county? And I'm like, wow, okay, that's pretty interesting. Uh, He knew I, you know, just spent a lot of time in the woods and thought that uh, might be a good fit. Certainly, he was more than willing to take me on the fire squad. But when I had those two options, I kind of went the direction of uh, trying to help form the uh, rescue team. So, you know, back in those days, we were pretty green. I really didn't have any equipment and kind of started from ground zero. And the reason uh, we had to form that team, uh, as many of our listeners or your listeners may may know, Don Figg, uh, you know, was a legendary law enforcement officer for the Red River Gorge. And he was retiring in 2005 and the, and the Forest Service had decided to uh, turn the rescue responsibilities back over to the counties, uh, you know, that serve the Red River, Gorge, Red River Gorge. So that's primarily, you know, Wolf Powell and Menifee and Lee. So. Uh, they brought in some folks to to get us some training and kind of started from there, you know, just building the team, really. Just we didn't know anything about it. We were just, you know, green as could be going out there, but trying to make a difference for those people that, you know, found themselves in trouble. And uh, we just kind of built it up and started getting some equipment and some training. And uh, ultimately, uh, you know, I think our team is, you know, one of the best teams uh, in eastern United States. We specialize in uh, technical rope rescue. I'm personally a... Uh, technical rope rescue instructor for Kentucky Emergency Management, uh, along with uh, Swiftwater Rescue. So we do a lot of our own training on the team and, uh, you know, really love getting out there and making a difference for folks uh, when they find themselves in trouble. So, John, when you say when when you started the team and training is provided, is that all come through the state of Kentucky? And how does that translate to other states? Is that how they do it typically as well? Is there a lot of difference across the country? Well, initially, uh, the Forest Service brought in uh, a gentleman to provide the training for us. He was, uh, you know, a very good ropes person. Actually, he's still around and still does some training for teams uh, from time to time. And he came in and started getting us up to speed on ropes primarily. Really wasn't geared towards the search operation so much. It was more the technical side of things. 
And we really took that training and just, you know, that got us going. And then we had some team members that actually, you know, some retired team members that had some resources and they were able to go to different parts of the country and get some additional training and then brought that back to our squad, which continued our growth. And then we eventually became uh, primarily following Rescue 3 International uh, standards. So we, we now have a Rescue 3 International instructor that's part of our team. So we're all certified to Rescue 3 International uh, standards, and that's that's what we follow when we go out and do anything technical. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a great program. Yeah. So let me uh, let me bring up the listeners in case this is the first time they've listened in, and you too, John, so you know how this goes and how we try to set these things up. But basically what our Lost and Found episodes are, everybody, is an opportunity to hear from, typically it's Tracy, but we're fantastically happy that John's going to join us today, and I'm sure we'll get others to join us as well on lost and found events. Now, our goal here is solely for the education of our listeners so that we don't fall victim or you don't fall victim to these issues that we're going to talk about. These discussions are not zero intention, have zero intention of belittling anyone. Uh, We all know that things happen. And so we want to recognize that in this situation today, something's happened and we don't want to belittle anyone at all. It's really noteworthy to see how quickly things can go from a regular day hike or a fishing trip or whatever it might be to something that's not safe. And we want to make sure that we highlight that and how to recognize that that might be happening to you. And definitely we're going to do a good discussion on what went right, what went wrong, and specifically how we, that's you and us, all three of us that'll be talking today, we're avid woodsman. We spend a lot of time outside on our own, even when we're, when these two guys are doing search and rescue or I'm teaching classes or doing whatever I'm doing, I spend a lot of time outside for the joy of it. And uh, we want to be prepared as well, just like you guys. So what we're going to do is we're going to take this up to basically the setup, how it got started, what happened, the 911 call even, we're going to talk about that and the rescue. And then we're going to close it out and see what we can learn from it. Uh, John, won't you tell us about the setup and basically the original plans of these two guys that are involved in this story today? Yeah, sure. And, and first of all, thanks for making that statement there, because, you know, it is important for us to look at incidents that occur, you know, in our service area. And, you know, we're really good about trying to share, um, you know, in some cases, it's a not a super detailed after action report. You know, we can't write a four page document and share it out on social media. So we try to content, condense that down. But, you know, we share every time we have a rescue, whether it's someone lost or someone that's fallen from a cliff, you know, we try to publish out, you know, what occurred and, you know, try to do prevention because the best rescue is the one that never occurred, in my opinion. So, hey, real quick, John, in that regard, when you publish that out, I know you all put a thing up on your Facebook. Does that go anywhere else for the public to see? Primarily, social media is our outlet to let people know. But now if there's a, uh, because we have, you know, climbing incidents that occur as well. So sometimes we will publish those in the uh, North American uh, Climbing Accidents uh, publication uh, that comes out once a year. Uh, You know, we we had a fatality here a few weeks ago, and I'm sure that one uh, will end up in there just so the climbing community can understand Mm -hmm. what happened and try to prevent uh, future occurrences like that. So. So everybody listening in, if you want to follow in on Wolf County Search and Rescue, which I highly recommend because you can learn a lot, check out Wolf County. What's it called? Wolf County SAR or Wolf County Search and Wolf Rescue? Wolf County on Search Facebook. and Rescue on Facebook, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so maybe you can put, the, uh, put a link in your blog, you know, so folks will. can find it. Perfect. I will do that. But anyway, back to this uh, particular uh, rescue. And, you know, I was uh, 
trying to kind of go through the uh, memory there and pick something that was fairly recent and uh, try to find one that Tracy was also involved with. And, you know, over the years, I, I've kind of estimated, you know, I've been involved in over 600 rescues over time. So there's plenty, plenty of things to choose from, that's for sure. <laughs> but this one uh, was, was pretty interesting. We had a couple of uh, young men. Uh, they were from Kentucky. And they were coming to the Red River Gorge to do some trout fishing. And as I'm sure uh, you guys know, Tracy and Craig, uh, you know, the red does have some trout in it. Uh, I think uh, some rainbows and maybe some browns. Um, I've not fished there in quite some time, but I have some friends that get on the red pretty often and go up some of the tributaries and, and do pretty good with it. So these guys had come up and uh, wanted to spend the day trout fishing and found themselves in a little bit of trouble. So they got lost, right? So I know a little bit about this, but I really don't know much about this mm-hmm. one, but they got lost, right? They did get lost. Um, they're, what they're, happened to, yeah, to get them there? What? Yeah, their plan was to fish up the Red River, and they they thought they were going to go up Indian Creek, but they ended up going up Wolfpin Creek, uh, which is, a, yeah, it's it's actually about three miles. Uh, you know, it's a pretty, pretty big difference, uh, you know, in, in Creek. So, you know, I, I think, part of the problem they encountered maybe they didn't do enough research before they came to the red so what you're saying is they should have come to our land navigation class at nature flight school or picked up the book right exactly exactly (laughs) all right not putting words in your mouth or anything john but (laughs) you know just gotta throw that in there (laughs) you're on it you know we tell people all the time unfortunately you know in a lot of the uh the lost person incidents that we respond to if people would take 20 minutes, you know, before they hop in their car and drive up here and just get a map out, like you said, and, uh, you know, look that over and have an understanding of, of where they're planning to go to. You know, we see folks that hop out of the car and tear into the woods and, you know, they'll hike six hours and they come out at the opposite end of the trail thinking, you know, they didn't really realize it's not a loop trail. So now they need to ride back to their vehicle. <laughs> so it's right. We see things like that quite a bit. But these folks just, you know, got on the wrong creek and then relied on some technology to try to get back to their vehicle that didn't work out so well for them. And uh, we can certainly dive into that a little more when you're ready to, to discuss that. Let, yeah, let's get into that in a minute. But I want to ask while we're here, just because it's, I think it's good for everybody listening in. Can we come up with two ways to get maps? I know one is online. Tracy, where's the best place for somebody if they're going anywhere to get maps online? Well, what would you recommend? Well, there's several that you can go out there and get. The The one website that I use to get a paper map to print off is uh, sartopo.com. There's a mirror site to that that uses the same engine called caltopo.com. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can get all kinds, and it's free. You know, it's priced right. You can get all kinds of maps, all kinds of layers. I think it goes back to um, 2013 uh, layer of the USGS maps and such. Or you can get newer ones. You can get Google overlays and, and all that kind of stuff. So sartopo.com or caltopo.com are great ways to print off paper maps, and they're free. Let's let's assume, guys, and this either one of you guys answer this question if you don't care. And is let's say that we're driving up Mountain Parkway or down Mountain Parkway, we're getting ready to head into the gorge. Is there a spot that I can drive to in the gorge as I just get off the parkway and pick up a trail map? Is oh, there yeah. a place to do that? Yeah. Oh yeah. Where, where would where would somebody need to do that? Uh, pretty much all of the uh, you know the gas stations uh, in that area carry both books and maps. Uh, some okay, you know some are free. Some you have to pay for. The Glady Center inside the gorge actually has a really nice map uh, that you can purchase for twelve dollars. 
it's a, uh, you know, it's a multi-fold, uh, it's, it's quite large, you know, once you fold it out, but it, it's a great map for 12 bucks. So, uh, and, of course, and that's the, like the visitor center, right at Slade uh, or is that inside Glady? Yeah, it's at Glady. Yeah, it's at Glady. Okay. So everybody that's outside of the gorge and you're coming in this way and you're not familiar with it, when you get off the parkway and you go back into the gorge, like you go through the tunnel or you come in the other direction, the Glady, what is it? The Glady, Glady Nature? Center. No, I, I, we Glady Center. It the Glady Center. Yeah. The Glady Center is a U.S. Forest Service building that uh, has all kinds. Of, I highly recommend going in there and see the interactive historical things that they have inside the building. So you can see all about the gorge, gorgeous history. As well as you can pick up a map and say hello to Barb Graham if you're in there. That's Craig right. and Tracy and John and all that good yeah. stuff. So and they can yeah, help say you hello with questions. To- you know, if you have questions, uh, yeah. you know, you can ask the folks that work in there. They're very knowledgeable. So definitely a good resource. We'll be back after a quick break. Hey, guys and gals, a quick break in our episode to talk about a game changer in outdoor cooking: the Fire Maple Backpacking and Camping Stove System. Whether you're hiking, fishing, or even prepping for emergencies, this portable pot and jet burner is a must-have in your gear. Best part? It's nearly half the price of a comparable jet boil stove system. Thanks to its leading heat exchange technology, you'll experience reduced boiling times by up to 30% compared to traditional stoves, even in windy conditions. That means more time enjoying the outdoors and less time cooking. Are you ready to upgrade your outdoor cooking game? Click the link in the description now to grab yours. Trust me, your outdoor adventures will never be the same. Sorry, guys, I took us off tangent a little bit there. So let's let's no, get into fine. this. Let me one, let me bring up one, one more. Go. Let me bring yeah. up one more thing, Craig, on these maps. Yeah, and John, you speak with speak to this. Whenever you get a map that is produced by, say, the forestry department. They will not have all the user trails or local tra- local trails on it. Yeah. So, and and they those type trails are all over the place. Is that right, John? That's very much correct. Yeah, and that that can certainly get people in trouble as well. I mean, the Forest Service knows what those trails are, and they actually have maps that include the user defined trails, but those are not published. So you have to be careful. Uh, you know, when you're on a main trail, there's there's all kinds of little offshoots that you could end up on and, and find yourself in trouble. And we see that quite often, you know, where people start out on one trail and then one that's kind of in your service area there, Tracy, as you well know, is Osborne Bend. So, um, my guess is we, we respond to more lost people on that trail than any single trail in the Gorge area. And uh, it, it's definitely a hot spot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so you know, just because you pick up the map, you know, understand that not every single trail is going to be on that map. If it's, especially if it's a forestry map. Very true. So probably, man, I I know I'm getting us off our notes guys, but I think it's worthy of discussion Um, because I want to, our purpose here is to keep people from getting lost. What about apps, Trace? You want to speak to that? Well, right now, the only app that I endorse is Gaia, uh, G-A-I-A G-P-S. It's the app that the search and rescue team uses we've been using it has it been two years uh, two about and a half two years, years yeah. yeah yeah and it has been f- fantastic i mean I, I don't have any bad comments about it at all it's, let me uh, let me answer this question because i know everybody that's listening that's not familiar with it well you don't have good cell service in the gorge though tracy mm-hmm. <laughs> well and that is a very true statement um however if you have a smartphone the gps portion of your phone works without cellular data 
uh, or without Wi-Fi or any of that. It it has a dedicated GPS chip in it and a built-in antenna, and it operates off the same satellites that your handheld Garmin's uses. So just because you drop cellular data, you still have your GPS portion of it. Now, what you need to do on your uh, smartphones, even with Google and all that kind of stuff, is you if you're going in an area where you know you're going to be dropping cellular data, you need to download those maps for offline use. And Gaia allows you to do that right to your phone. So it will just keep on, keep on working if set up properly. Yeah, that's very important to download those maps. And you can do large areas like, uh, you know, I have pretty much all of eastern Kentucky and then down in the Tennessee downloaded. You know, I used it when I was backpacking the Shell Toy a couple of years ago and never had any issues. And one thing, since we're talking about that, that, that we also or I also recommend because cell service is so limited, why keep your phone uh, in a mode that's trying to get a cell signal? So if you turn your phone into airplane mode, that reduces your battery uh, usage. But the Gaia app will still work with the phone set in airplane mode if you have the maps downloaded. And then, of course, we always recommend carry a uh, battery backup. You know, I kind of call those port of power, but you can you can buy those almost anywhere now for you know $30 and get at least couple of charges back to your phone if you needed it plus if you look in the description below guys and gals on gaia you can get a discount thanks to tracy and myself because we're just that good we have that much power in this world we can get discounts almost anywhere <laughs> so with that said get in the description get a discount and uh, that way you have the, the app that you need that we use that we use not not just because we're selling it but we've been using it long before we encourage people to get in there and get you a discount, but uh, yeah, that'll help you out quite a bit. All yeah, right, sorry one, guys. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, you know, one thing that the search and rescue team does with the team that's uh, or the members that's <coughs> on the team, they really research and dig into equipment that we use. So they've researched this Gaia and used it. If you go into forums or if you do Google searches on what's the best app to put on your phone, Gaia is always up the top. So it's just not us. It, it's widely accepted throughout the community as as one of the best, if not the best, app to use while at, while out hiking, camping, or hunting. Yeah, absolutely. All right, John. Let's go ahead and get into the nine one one call. If you don't care, tell us about what you know about the call itself and what kind of information you all received and. Is it good? Was it bad info? And tell us all about it. Well, uh, you know, the uh, the folks that work at the, uh, and I, I honestly, I don't recall if this call initially went into Menifee County Dispatch or the Wolf County Dispatch Center, but typically the information coming out of there is pretty consistent. I mean, normally if, if someone is lost in the Gorge area, uh, they will get the, the caller's name and a phone number. Uh, and then that's typically relayed to the search team to take it from there. A lot of the dispatchers are just not familiar with the Gorge area and you can't really get a street address, right? So, I mean, they're just lost somewhere in a, you know, in a wilderness. So, uh, they kind of, you know, get what they can and then they turn that over to us. In this particular case, uh, you know, these folks, and we'll get into more about where they ended up, but they were able to get enough cell service to make a phone call. And when I spoke to them, I was able to gather more information from them, uh, including a set of coordinates uh, that we got from their mobile device, which which was really key because we would not have been looking for them where they were found. Uh, they may have been there certainly overnight uh, and maybe longer if they couldn't figure out a way to get down because it, it was it was pretty interesting where, where they ended up. But the way I got the coordinates, uh, they had an iPhone. 
And, uh, you know, the iPhone has a uh, compass on there. And if you open that up, uh, it will give you a lat long. And uh, that's what we used instead of uh, like a Google map, uh, for instance, in this particular case. And uh, we also sometimes, I, I should mention this, we have a what's called a locator link uh, that we can send a essentially a text message to an individual uh, with a link included embedded in that text. And when they click on that, it pulls the information from their phone. Um, they don't really have to do anything other than click on the link. And then it sends an email back to me or any other team member that may be heading up that particular incident with a set of coordinates and, and, and in some cases, more importantly, an accuracy reading. Uh, you know, if you're 500 meters, if your accuracy is 500 meters or, you know, more in some cases, I mean, it can really uh, cause a problem when you're trying to do a search in the gorge because that's, you know, cliffs are in play. Uh, so it's it's nice to know how accurate that reading is, you know, and how much you can rely on it. And we do use that quite often as well. So, but that goes back to them having enough uh, cellular service for data to work, where they can actually their phone will send out that email to us. So sometimes there's some lim- limiting factors with that. We'll be back after a quick break. What's all around you? Almost everywhere you look, and makes your life better birds. Learn all about these beautiful creatures in this wonderful new podcast called Birds of a Feather Talk Together. Two experts guide two newbies on their journey to learn more. Mallard ducks, ivory-billed woodpeckers, Hawaiian honeycreepers, blue jays, cardinals, sandhill cranes, and more. Each week we discuss a different bird and walk away with a better understanding of the birds all around us. Oh, and we have a ton of fun doing it. Listen now. You're going to like learning about these birds. I guarantee it. So, John, how did they end up on that cliff? Mm -hmm. Yeah, good question. What what did they use and how did they navigate up to there? And why did they navigate up there? Yeah, so they, you know, as we stated earlier, um, they ended up on Wolfpin Creek. And I believe, Craig, you're going to show, you know, a map on your blog showing kind of where their find location was at. But they, they started fishing around 2 o'clock on April 2nd. I believe that was a Tuesday. It was a weekday, and, and these were maybe college-age students uh, in that neighborhood. I'm not sure if they were on spring break or what they were doing, but it was a midweek, which sometimes puts us a little bit of a disadvantage because, you know, we have several team members that live outside of the area, so the number of people that we may have responding could be impacted by that, and especially late at night during a work week. <laughs> you know, we all have to get up right. the next morning and, and go to work, but – um, hey, this is a good time to remind everybody that it, because f- some people just do not know, you all are volunteers. It's not like you're getting paid when you go out there. That's right. I and mean, you all are going out um, because you, you, you're dedicated to the service of others. And, and so uh, I know you wouldn't bring this up, so I'm going to bring it up anyway. If you have an opportunity to donate to Wolf County Search and Rescue so they can have good equipment, great. Please do. They, they desperately need it, but they're not getting paid to do this service. They're doing it because they're just at the service of other human beings because they have good hearts. So yeah, it's going to be difficult to get out in the middle of the week. So fix yourself people <laughs> so they don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. Exactly. Funny. Yeah. But anyway, uh, the, these two young men had uh, started trekking up Wolfpin Creek, uh, you know, fishing for, for the trout. And as the day went on um, and night began to, to set in on them, they wanted to try to find a quicker way back to their vehicle. 
this is where it really oh, man. <laughs> this is where it really started to go south on them you know as you and i and tracy would probably have done uh, of course we can read maps quite well so we we probably would have had a better way to, to figure that out but you know just heading right back downstream you know you know where you're going to come out because you just came up right. it so but they opened up uh, google maps and now this part's a little fuzzy. I don't know if they had dropped a pin that showed, you know, before they left their vehicle or they were just looking at Google uh, Maps and tried to figure out where they thought their vehicle was. But at the end of the day, they determined that they could cut across this, uh, this mountain range and get back to their vehicle much quicker than they could hiking back down Wolf Pen Creek. And, and I'll be honest with you, I've not been up Wolf Pen at least not in where these guys were at that far up. So I don't know what the train is like on that Creek. I mean, it may be really overgrown and, you know, a lot of debris, I'm not sure. So, you know, they may just, you know, decided they didn't want to, you know, try to go back through that again and, and find a quicker route. But so when they did that, it took them in the opposite direction of their vehicle. And, and, and if you look at the topo, it's, it's a little interesting to try to figure out how they ended up on top of this cliff. I mean, they had to be way up wolf pen to, to get up there because they were, you know, on a cliff line, uh, ultimately where we found them and the coordinates showed them being was on, you know, on a, you know, around a hundred foot cliff. And, uh, they had hiked, you know, on this, um, you know, ridge line for, for several hours. It was, I think 11 o'clock that night, uh, around 2100 when we got the call. So they had already been out there uh, several hours fishing first and then trying to get out secondly. But they they were topped out and couldn't get down. So not only really lost at this point, but they cliffed out and, and couldn't gain access back down to the river. That's that's kind of what we knew. You know, and, and when we got those coordinates, uh, I have to admit, I'm like, I'm not sure how much confidence I have in this because I, I was looking at the topo and it was showing them on top of a cliff. And they were supposed to be fishing. Wow. So none of that really made sense. And and you kind of have to weigh all that in when you get coordinates because you never really know how accurate those are going to be. But it was the best information that we had at this point. So, uh, you know, that's that's when we dispatched the team to get on the Shell Toy Trace, essentially, and, and head north. And Hey, quick question for mm-hmm. you, John. So when you get coordinates off of their – you said you got coordinates off of their compass, right? Yes, yeah. And, and when you get the, when you're able to use that link, you get an opportunity to learn how close plus or minus Mm -hmm. those coordinates are. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. But you tell me again, did you have that link this time? We did did not use the link this time. We, we just got the phone. We got the, yeah, the coordinates from their, uh, from the compass on their um, iPhone. So when you get those coordinates in this situation, you have no idea really other than what information you can gather talking to That's them, right. whether they're. That's right. They're, okay. Okay. And I'm it, just it, making sure I understand. It okay. kind of made sense from the point that they had cell service. So we, you know, and they said they were on top of a cliff. So, you, you know, we had a couple of pieces of information there that kind of jived with those coordinates. But the fact that they said they thought they were hiking on Indian Creek uh, or fishing on Indian Creek, you know, that's a long way away from where they're at. So that, you know, that was a little troubling, but it was the best sure. information we had. So we were, you know, that was going to be the, um, you know, where we dispatched the team to and then try to get in there and see if we can make verbal contact with them. And um, that's kind of how hey. we got started. Hey, John, mm-hmm. the, um, I can't remember. Did we find their vehicle? 
Uh, we did not find their vehicle initially um, because it was, uh, I, I'm trying to think back. I don't know if they were in a parking. We'd sent, uh, I think, one of the Menifee County team members in search of it, best I recall, or maybe we did, and I can't, I don't remember that portion of it, but we didn't know where their vehicle was at. Uh, and I don't think they did either, best I recall. They couldn't tell us exactly where they had parked, uh, which is, once again, you think that's a simple thing to get, but many times we ask people, what trailhead did you park at or what parking area? And they have no idea, you know, so it's a, uh, it's, it's a now an issue of driving through the gorge and checking parking lots to try to find a vehicle that matches that description. So some of the little simple things, you know, you think people would do before they head out into the woods. They just, I, you know, I understand the excitement. I love, I get excited too when I'm going on a hike, <laughs> you know, but just yeah, exactly. yeah, pay attention to your surroundings and, and where you're starting from. And to be honest, we had one one lost group that couldn't even tell me what kind of vehicle they were driving. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So you see a lot of things that uh, kind of make you scratch your head sometimes. But, <laughs> but the, yeah, it, it get all kinds of information. The reason I bring the vehicle up was that if we get a call in from a family member, say a mom calls in and her uh, son hasn't made it home, he's supposed to be in this afternoon knowing what vehicle he drove, what license plate, the make and the color, if we have no clue where that gentleman would be in the gorge, having that vehicle will help us pinpoint at least a working area to start from. Right. Yeah. And if you remember back, Tracy, I think it was about this same time uh, within a few weeks of this where we had the four gentlemen, I, I believe they were, they were from Kentucky, I believe Louisville uh, spring breakers that uh, were going to kayak the Red River. And oh my gosh, yeah, yes. and they thought they had put in at the one lane suspension bridge there at the Wolf uh, Menifee County line, and that's a fairly easy paddle, you know, on down to the to the John Swift uh, campground there. But they actually went further upstream and put in above the rapids, uh, not knowing oh, that they, my goodness. yeah, so they, rough. yeah, they, they, they're uh, actually they were in a canoe, their canoe turned over within the first 30 minutes, uh, and it was cold, it was in April. Uh, so these guys were wet, lost their shoes because of the current. You know, we ended up having to go to find them. But the information they gave made no sense either because they said they were starting, you know, they thought in the middle of the, of the Red River. But they were on the upper upper side of it during the rapids. So. Man, this brings up a good opportunity to talk about what what can people do to avoid this specific part of what they're doing? Uh, what what can they have done to not get into this situation to begin with? This is this is what we like to do. We try to educate people as best we can. Right here. now, are we talking about the lost hikers or the the kayakers? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I think it applies to both. But yeah. let's talk about our trout fishermen yeah. on the cliff right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Golly, man. Yeah. Well, I always I always go back to preparation before you come in to a wilderness area and, and you can, you know, preparation can go a long way. I mean, it can even go back to your physical fitness levels, but you know, primarily what I'm talking about here is understanding where you're going, uh, you know, get a map out, look at it, tell somebody where you're going, what time you should be out. So if you're not out, someone else is calling in case you don't have cell service, uh, where you plan to park at, where you plan to start in the woods at, you know, and then carry the proper equipment, you know, have a map with you, know how to read it. I have a compass uh, as a backup to your sailor device or GPS, whatever you're using, and know how to use those, especially these guys, uh, you know, going up this wolf pen. I mean, you're getting away from any known, there, you know, there's probably not many trails up in there. So you're kind of, you know, out in the wilderness and away from everything. So you're, you're kind of on your own. 
But, you know, if you would take those 20, 30 minutes and do a little prep before you come in, you know, it would save a lot of the uh, incidents that we respond to. And, you know, and they relied on technology. Um, and I like using technology when it's working. Uh, <laughs> but when you have very limited cell service, in this case, uh, you know, it caused them a problem. And now a word from our sponsor. Hey, you. Yeah, you. I'm talking to you. You like this podcast, don't you? And you're thinking about doing a podcast yourself. Let me tell you how easy it is to do this with Anchor. First off, the money's right. It's free. Zero cost. Secondly, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Bonus! You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, so let's dig into the rescue itself. Mm -hmm. Care, just reiterate how you all get notified. It's how you, particularly how you start getting organized, how you develop what it is you're going to do, and everything that goes along with that. If you don't care, yeah. So once once we you know had a set of coordinates and we knew where we thought they were at, uh, we dispatch our team through a program called Team Snap. That's a you know it's a it's an online program. All our team members are in that, and what it does, it sends a notification out to the entire team. Uh, we don't rely on uh, the dispatch to notify our team members because many of them live outside of like radio uh, where, you know, if you say you drop tones, you know, they wouldn't hear that. So we use this program called Team Snap. And this particular night, we kept the um, the responding units to what we would consider like a hasty team. There was going to be four of us. Tracy was part of that and then Becky and Eric. And we'll get into Eric a little more here in a minute. We said uh, meet at the, uh, you know, more or less where the uh, suspension bridge is there uh, on 715. That was going to be our incident command post. So once we got on scene, we headed up the uh, shell toy, headed up north on the, on the ST. And when we started getting close to the uh, coordinates, you know, we had these coordinates programmed in Gaia at this point. So we were tracking and, and knew when we would get below them. And if you look at the map uh, that uh, you're going to publish on your blog, you will see that the ST drops directly below this cliff line. So once we got relatively close, we started uh, yelling, which is typical, you know, yelling, blowing whistles, uh, trying to make some kind of verbal contact to these subjects to verify that we are in the right area. And uh, ultimately, we did get uh, a yell back. And sure enough, they were on top of this cliff. <laughs> And now the fun really uh, kind of gets in there. Okay, how do we get up on this cliff? You know, it was, you know, we hadn't been up on that before. So, and it's in the middle of the night. It's 11 o'clock at this point. It's dark. So it really goes back to, to reading a map and trying to figure out, you know, can we find a wash, uh, you know, a break in this cliff line that would allow us to get up to them and then be able to get them down safely because we didn't have rope gear with us uh, or at least our normal you know, high angle rope bags, we all carry some personal tethers, 30 foot hand lines and those kind of things. But, you know, we didn't have, you know, 200 foot uh, ropes with us on this particular rescue. So, and uh, Tracy may want to hop in on that. I know he was, he was busy looking at uh, Gaia and so was I trying to figure out a, a way to, to gain access to him. The beautiful thing about our team is it's truly a team. 
decisions typically aren't made by one individual. John, he'll bring everybody in. What do you think about this? And, you know, we developed the team like that. This particular location, if we couldn't have found a way up the cliff line, then we were going to have a very long hike very late in the night to get to them. And then not just to get to them, but then to bring them all the way back. We'd probably been out most of the night, uh, I think, if if we didn't find a way up the cliff. Yeah, that's that's right. It was, um, I think that was about three quarters of a mile in on the ST uh, to get to that uh, that cliff line that they were on. So it wasn't miles and miles, but still, if you had to run back out, grab more gear, and it would have taken more personnel so than, than four of us if we'd had to, to launch a uh, high-angle uh, rescue at that point. So we really wanted to find a way to get them down as long as we could do it safely kind of going along with what Tracy was saying there. I mean, at this point we were looking at, you know, looking at maps, discussing options and, and finally uh, found an area that we thought we could uh, make access to the top of the cliff. And and luckily for us, Eric was with us that night and, and uh, Eric is a world-class rock climber and uh, you know, he's a little spider monkey. I mean, he can, he can climb up pretty much anything, but we, we found a little crack in this, um, this cliff wall, and I would consider it a, uh, a scramble, not anything that was super technical, but it, you know, it did require a little bit of up climbing, obviously. And most of us got up to like the, uh, the first ledge or maybe the second ledge, and then uh, we decided to let Eric continue on up and to try and make contact with these subjects just to make sure we could get to where they were at. Because, you know, sometimes you can hear someone or see someone, but they may be on another finger of that cliff line mm-hmm. and you can't really get to them. I mean, we've seen that on, on many occasions where, you know, we can see their, their headlights or, or their flashlights. You can hear them yelling, but we just can't get to them from that particular area. But in this case, uh, Eric was able to get up the cliff, made access to them, and then brought them back down to that uh, crack in the cliff face that we had found. Uh, and we were going to bring them down that. So you did bring them down. We did, there? and if you notice in the pictures, uh, there's actually some pictures there. You can you can see we we tied a hand line. Uh, we had some anchors that were suitable to use, uh, just some trees on a on a ledge. Uh, so we made a uh, hand line anchor and or a hand line that they could you know use to assist them down. And then we were kind of spread out along that as well. You'll see some people at different places uh, in that crack, and and uh, we just kind of assisted them and let them use that safety line to, to climb themselves down. It, it wasn't anything, you know, super technical that you needed to be in a harness and, uh, you know, and be lowered down or anything like that, or we wouldn't have done it. Uh, but a hand line was certainly needed <laughs> and then helped out tremendously. So uh, it's good that we carry those with us, uh, you know, just for that, a case like that. So if you don't care, it, it, I'm sure it seems real simple to you all, but just explain what a hand line is for everybody listening. Yeah, we, we all, all the technical um, uh, rope folks on our team, we all carry a, uh, it's a 30 foot, uh, nine millimeter piece of cordage. And what we did in this case, we just tied some knots along that uh, line and then tied it to an anchor, which was a tree in this case, and uh, dropped it down that crack to the to the base of the cliff. And then as you're kind of scrambling down that crack and those slick spots, you can hang on to that and, uh, you know, so you don't slip or take a fall. And then, as I stated, we put team members uh, along that crack as well to kind of help them, you know, to make sure they didn't fall because that's that would have been you know, the worst thing that could have happened is if we found them and then they got injured as we were trying to get them out. Unfortunately, that's never happened and we don't want that to happen. So, uh, but you do have to take precautions, uh, you know, for everyone's safety. And it's just good practice to carry some type of cordage with you. Nine millimeters, uh, 
you know, that's, um, a little bigger than what you, you know, you may have in your pack. It's, uh, you know, we, we're a rescue squad. So our safety levels are, are a little higher than what, uh, you know, an average hiker, uh, may carry with them. You know, a lot of people carry six mil cordies with them and that's, that's perfectly fine for a single person load. I'm a knot nerd, so I've got to ask, what kind of knots do you put in that rope uh, to help them get Yeah, down? these were just like little overhand knots, nothing fancy. I, I don't know. Maybe we put some inline eights. I'm not sure, but I, 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 you could probably tell from the picture. I don't have it up in front of me, but yeah, I know you like tying knots. <laughs> I do, man. Yeah. I'm a nerd. Yeah, <laughs> this nerd. really isn't a, you know, with, with a, if we were doing a, a hangle operation where we were putting someone over the cliff. Something totally different. Yeah, huh? yeah. The knots really come into play because, as you know, they reduce the uh, strength of the rope, in some cases, by up to 30% or more. So you have to be very selective in what you choose. But just for a single-person load as a hand line, it, it really doesn't matter. It's not going to – the rope is much stronger than what, you know, what we could do to it coming down that little crack. So now you've you, you've got them down the cliff, right? We do, yeah. Everybody's on flat ground now. Sem- what happens after semi-flat. that? Semi-flat. <laughs> It was yeah, yeah. flat for the gorge. Yes, huh? We were, we were at the base of the cliff. And, uh, at that point it was just basically a hike back out to seven fifteen. Uh, you know, we did have a little, I don't know, fairly steep embankment. We had to, to go down, you know, and there's, there's no trails in this area. So you just kind of have to pick your way through the rodos and, and the trees and, and get back down. And, and we finally made access to the shell toy at that point, headed South back to seven fifteen to, to where the, uh, our trucks were located. Nice. Yeah. All right. And the everybody whole, was okay. I mean, they were, were they scared or anything like that? Or are they just, no, they, chill? they, you know, they were, you know, I, I wouldn't say scared. I would say anxious, you know, they, uh, they mm-hmm. maybe a little bit embarrassed about it. It was, mm-hmm. it was, you know, now you can look back on it and say, well, that was kind of comical because they still had their waders on, uh, from where they had been trout fishing. And that's just not something wow. you see top of a cliff. <laughs> so it's a, no. Yeah. I bet they were sweating like a couple of Well, it was pretty cold. It, it got oh, yeah, okay, okay. it got down to about uh I looked at our uh incident report and I had the temperature the uh maximum temperature that day was uh, 38 degrees. So it was oh, yeah, okay. it was chilly on oh, that particular wow. day. Uh I'm sure those waiters, you know, probably worked up some sweat coming out of there I would imagine, but they probably felt pretty good while they were sure. uh you know stuck on top of that cliff line. <laughs> and I think we sent right, you a picture right. they you know, they allowed us to take a picture then yeah. once the rescue was done. So you can, you can kind of see what they were wearing and then what we were wearing. So we were pretty layered up, you know, on that particular night because it was cold. Yeah. And this is one thing that comes out of these things is it, from my perspective as an outsider is it's great when these people recognize, you know, I messed up, but Hey, let's, let's share a little information mm-hmm. here so people can learn from it. Cause they recognize they don't want it to happen to them or anybody right. else. So it's, it's good they have a great uh, viewpoint on it right. allow you to take some pictures and yeah, yeah all that kind of good yeah. stuff. That's good. I guarantee you they will never use Google out hiking again. <laughs> no joke. <laughs> Educational opportunity. And everybody listening, I hope you don't either. Say it after me, Gaia. Say it again, everybody. <laughs> Gaia. Gaia Come GPS. On. Yeah, it's really a great yeah. program. It'll it'll keep you out of trouble <laughs> a lot. <laughs> John, what do you think is the top issues for people that are, you know, fishing, hiking, hunting, whatever? And they do get lost. If you don't care, speak to the things that happen in the Red River Gorge mm-hmm. or other mm-hmm. outside of mm-hmm. it. If you have some interesting information on that too, what's, 
what what's the top issues for folks? Well, you know, once the you know, I always tell people if you know you're lost, go ahead and stop and try to call someone. Uh, you know, I think too many times people wait too long to call. We would much rather be able to come out there during daylight and try to find you than, you know, midnight. You know, it just makes everything harder. It it ramps up, you know, our safety concerns. Uh, you know, anytime you're traipsing around in the gorge after dark and in areas that there aren't trails. I mean, it's risky for us, to be honest. You know, we've had sure. many close calls uh, from snakes. You know, we were on a on a rescue uh, last year. Casey was walking in front of me and uh, it was summertime. And, uh, you know, this copperhead was laying on the, the bank next to the trail we were on and it leaped out and tried to pop Casey. I saw it take a strike at him and Fortunately for him, he, you know, he had some Cadillac reflexes there. He was able to jump and it, and it missed him. But, you know, so we're, we're always dealing with those same kind of hazards that, uh, that other people are dealing with, but it's often at night. So, you know, there's cliffs out there. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, we try to be really safe. We try to use our navigational skills to avoid, uh, cliff lines. Uh, you know, but we could be walking through the woods and come up on a cliff, you know, and that's, that's dangerous, uh, as you well know. Uh, so anyway, back to what we were talking about. I mean, if they would call earlier uh, and then stay in place, uh, we've actually gotten coordinates from people before and then they continue to move. And if you do that, that makes our job much, much harder. Uh, you know, we're going to where we know you were at. And if you move from there, now we have to try to find you again. And we may not be able to get cell service to call you back and get a new set of coordinates. Well, I can tell you for certainty that Nature Reliance School is trying to help you guys out with pre-event because, mm-hmm. I mean, we tell everybody to just stop right. when they get lost. Right. Just stop. I mean, it's got to happen, you That's all. Right. So, yeah. And then be able to spend the night. I mean, you know, um, and I wanted to share this. You know, you uh, Nature Reliance came out and taught our team, you know, a SAR survival class where, you know, we, we're pretty good at this, right? But you never stop learning. And we wanted to learn sure. more about, you know, what can we do if we have to spend the night out there on a, on a rescue? So, you know, you and Tracy came out and, and gave us some pointers on shelter building and things we should have in our packs to, to be able to get through the night. You may not be comfortable, but you will survive it. You know, but a lot of folks come into the gorge and they're wearing flip flops and uh, short pants and, you know, not really paying attention to how long they're going to be out there. And if you have to spend the night in 38 degrees, you know, fortunately, these, mm-hmm. these folks had some decent clothes on. But, you know, it, it can be a very miserable night for you and can be life-threatening, you know, if it gets cold enough and you're sure. wet. So be prepared. Um, but anyway, you know, and, and going back once again to just the, the preparation, you know, spend a little time before you come out. These folks didn't have any lights with them. Uh, they were using their cell phone, which is we see that quite often. You know, go and buy you, uh, you know, a little headlamp. They're not that expensive. Uh, you know, you can pick those up at uh, a variety of stores. And carry that in your pack with some extra batteries, you know, and, and I always carry two flashlights. I've been out there before and one light may go bad on you. It's not just the batteries. It, it could be the light itself craps out. So it's nice to always carry a second flashlight with you. Two is one, one That's is nine. right. That's right. Yep. That's right. I would say the vast majority of the rescues that we go on, they do not have a map and they do not have any type of light. And most of the time they have no water. Yeah. That's right. And you, and those are, those are three easy things to fix. And like John said earlier, just because you have a map with you does not loss proof yourself That's right. if you don't know how to read it. Uh, so get to a class. Uh, don't have to necessarily come to ours, but get to a class wherever you are. Learn how to read a map. The other thing I wanted to point out, John, you mentioned it about calling early. Mm-hmm. Here in just, uh, just this year, I think we've had three already, maybe four. 
where the people have called and I think you walked a couple out over the phone. Is that correct? I, I have. Yeah. I think Mark walked one out. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you call early and if you are able to give your coordinates to whoever is speaking to you on the phone from search rescue team, a lot of times they can walk you out mm-hmm. and you'll get out a lot quicker than it takes for a volunteer team to assemble and get in and, and get That's you. That's right. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, that's so a call, call early. Several of those calls have actually occurred on Osborne Ben. We talked about that earlier. Um, I was actually mowing grass, uh, back this summer and received a call from a couple that was on Osborne Ben and, uh, they had been, you know, hiking for several hours and really didn't know where they were. And, uh, you know, once again, got a set of coordinates, uh, saw where they were at, uh, told them a, uh, a heading to turn around basically and just go back the way they came and, uh, they would come out at their vehicle. And, uh, of course there's a couple of little offshoots there. We told them to avoid. And, and the other thing we always do if we're having someone walk out on their own and we're not assisting because at this point we are engaged with them, right? I mean, they've called and so we're involved in, in that rescue and actually have an incident number at that point. So we need to make sure they do get out. And so that particular couple, I had them call me about every 30 minutes if they had cell service and I would get a new set of coordinates just to make sure they were still headed in the right direction. And then a final call once they made it to their vehicle or got out of the gorge where they had cell service where they could call and let me know, yeah, we did get out and everything's fine. So it's, uh, you know, you can certainly do that. And, and you know, we, we really stress uh, trail recognition on our team. We actually give training hours for trail recognition. We want our team members to go out and hike trails, and that really pays dividends when you have someone that's lost on a particular trail because you have a knowledge of it. So you can you can kind of understand where they are, maybe certain uh, intersections that they came to or markings on the trail that might uh, be beneficial. You know, all that really comes back to, to assist in a, uh, in a search operation. Hey, John, one, one last question. Uh, if, if I'm a hiker and I get out on one of these trails and I get lost and I call 911, what, uh, it, and I know we've touched up on this prior, but let's kind of consolidate everything. What is the most critical information that me as an individual should be prepared to give to that 911 call? Yeah, that's, that's a great question, uh, Tracy. I mean, information that would help us, uh, obviously, we want the person's name. You know, how many are in the party? Uh, you know, is it just, are you by yourself or is it a group? Is anyone injured or do they have any kind of medical conditions, you know, that might hamper them from being able to walk out? Where did they park? You know, do you know what trailhead uh, that you parked your vehicle and a vehicle description, color, make a model? That way we can verify that, you know, what trailhead you think you're on actually matches up with where your vehicle's parked. And then we also like to know, you know, battery strength on your phone. And does someone else in the party also have a phone? So if we could get you know, if your group has three or four people, let's get all those phone numbers because they may be different carriers. Your phone may go dead. Someone else's still has, uh, you know, some battery left and we can call them to get additional information in case the, the main caller's phone number dies. So all that really, you know, helps us when we go out to, uh, to start the initial search. So the more information you can give, the better. And you may only get one crack at it. If you're out there by yourself and your battery's going low, I mean, man, you really want to, you know, get as much information to someone as you can so we can try to find you. It is unbelievable how many phone calls we've gotten and you say, well, what's a battery life on your phone? Three yeah, percent. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, you know, it, once it, once that 3% goes to, goes to zero, then, you know, we're That's done. It. 
we have to go on exactly what information we've obtained yeah, at that yeah, time. For sure. Well, guys and gals, I think that's uh, I think that's it. John, do you have anything you think we missed that we'd like no, to cover? No, I think, you know, this this particular rescue was pretty interesting, um, you know, just primarily because it was trout fishermen. But we see very similar uh, lost scenarios like this all the time. I appreciate you guys doing this series on lost people in the gorge. I, I think the information being provided can hopefully prevent future occurrences, which we're all about trying to limit our, our work <laughs> in this case. So, you know, so, uh, you know, and, and the gorge keeps getting more and more visitors. So uh, I don't really see the, the number of incidents going down. I mean, we average between 40 and 60 rescues a year. So, I mean, do the math, that's almost one a week. Um, so we would really, and, and most of those aren't newsworthy. So the average person may not even know what's going on, but it's, it's occurring all the time. I fully expect this weekend, unfortunately, with nice, cool temperatures and fall colors coming in, I wouldn't be surprised if we're not out there doing something. But, you know, time will tell. Yeah. uh, Before we close out, uh, John, if you don't care, whenever you did your introduction, you said you've been doing this for 16 years. Mm -hmm. And I talked with people all the time, especially individuals that love to hike. You know, they're, they're out hiking and camping and fishing and hunting. Did you have that interest before you got started? I did. Yeah. Did you like to get out? Oh yes. And hike? Yeah. I've always been a hunter. Um, you know, uh, I really didn't start hiking much until you know I got into college, <clears throat> but I've always been an outdoorsy person. So you know, always been out in nature. You know, and I, I, it, I think that helps me uh, with the search and rescue. Just because you have a, seems like people from the area just have a, uh, a built-in ability uh, to navigate. I don't know. I mean, I've I seem to do pretty good in the woods. I don't know if that's just a genetic thing or just an experience thing, but, you know, I've always been able to get out there and, and pretty much get myself back out. I mean, we've all gotten in trouble from time to time. I mean, I, you know, if you spend a lot of time in the woods, you're probably going to get turned around, but you know, the more you're out there playing in it, the more you can, you can read the land and, and, uh, you know, help yourself out if you find yourself in a pinch. And just a couple more questions and I'll give you an idea of where I'm going with mm-hmm. these questions. So whenever you you say whenever y'all started, y'all basically started with a clean slate. That's correct. Yeah, nothing. So you were exposed to a lot of classes over the 16 years. Oh, absolutely. Years. What kind of classes are you exposed yeah, to? Yeah, uh, so if you if you join our team, and, and of course, we throw this out too, if you ever have an interest in, in joining a rescue squad, uh, you know, we're always looking for people that's willing to come out and, you know, commit some time because it's not just put on an orange shirt and you're ready to go. You have, you have to do a lot of training. So it all really starts with a uh, basic search and rescue class that uh, Kentucky Emergency Management requires. Uh, that's a, uh, a full weekend, a Friday evening, uh, Saturday and Sunday. And it just gives you an introduction to search and rescue principles, little land navigation, safety, those kind of things. So it really gets you kind of started off on the right foot. And then from there, you know, you, the state offers a variety of classes, lost person behavior, uh, probably one of the best classes uh, that I've taken as far as what we do. Uh, I know you, you've taken that as well, Tracy, so you know the benefit of that. Um, we do, uh, land navigation classes. We teach those, um, we have a, our training officer on the team, uh, teaches the land navigation and, and we're going to be maybe talking to you guys in the very near future about doing a class, uh, for land navigation for us as well. Cause we're always learning, right? I mean, I'm, I'm a student of this, so I, I've been doing it for a while, but I learn something new like every week and definitely every class I take, I learn something new. And then we, uh, of course, we do specialize in technical rope rescue. So we, we teach a class. Um, it's over two weekends. And we, we used to do it twice a year, but it's just a, 
a time commitment. That's that's almost a month of weekends you're committing to teaching classes. So we kind of scaled that back to just one class a year uh, that we get the folks out. And we you, you have the option to either uh, get certified under Kentucky Emergency Management as a technical rope rescue person or Rescue 3 International. Uh, it's essentially the same class, but one costs money for the certificate and the other doesn't. So it really depends on which one you want to get. And then swift water, if you want to get involved in swift water rescue. We really don't have good water here. I mean, the Red River is kind of feast or famine. I mean, it it can get uh, really crazy, uh, you know, when it's flooded. And then a lot of the time it's just kind of low. So we typically go and do our, our uh, swift water classes up with our friends at Floyd County. Uh, and they teach a great uh, swift water class. So we'll go up there and take part of that, you know, every couple of years. And then um, there's countless other classes. I mean, you can sit there and name them off all day, but... First, yeah, aid, first aid. First aid is yeah, actually, one. I'm I'm coming up this not this weekend, but next weekend. I'm actually going to uh, UK and uh, renewing my uh, wilderness first responder. Which, you know, that's that's a great thing to have. I mean, if you're going to be out in the uh, back country at all, I I would highly recommend you know the listeners to go out and uh, pick up uh, either a WFA, which is wilderness first aid, or the wilderness first responder. Uh, we call it a woofer man, you can really uh, learn some skills there that can help save someone else's life. And in, in some cases, maybe help save your own. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah, nice. yeah. Now, and for my last question, and, and I already know the answer to this, but over the 16 years, would you say that you have gained satisfaction from being part of a oh, yeah. rescue yeah, team? Yeah, without question. I mean, uh, you know, uh, in fact, this this memory just popped up on, on some other folks uh facebook page yesterday and and you know i made a comment on it i saw it and it, it brought back a lot of emotions for me but the two little lost uh boys i think there were four and five or five and six this has been maybe three four or five years ago now that that were lost uh they were camping with their family at the uh, coomer ridge campground and and got lost and i mean they were lost for over you know right at 24 hours man finding those kids that's what it's about. So those kids were just being kids. They weren't doing something stupid. They weren't out partying on a cliff line and got themselves in trouble. They were just little boys doing what little boys do and wandered off and got lost. Being able to take what you've learned uh, with a great group of volunteers, not just our team, but, you know, Powell County and, and Lee County and Menifee. I mean, all those teams were here, plus people from all over the state, even out of the state, came in to help. And uh, bringing those two little boys out of there. Uh, like I said in my post, it, it got a little dusty <laughs> for me, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it still does. I mean, it wells so, up now when I start thinking about that. So it, that was, that's yeah, what makes it very much. So. Now you do have to deal with some bad things from time to time. I mean, it's, I'll be honest. I mean, when, when someone falls from a cliff, you know, a 200 foot cliff and, and you have to do a recovery, there's, it's, it, it still gives you some satisfaction to bring closure to the family. You know, you can get this person out, you can get them back to their family. Uh, but you know, that weighs a toll on the rescuers. I mean, we want to go in and, and find people alive and bring them back out. And when we have to go in and we have to do a recovery, I mean, it, it really weighs on you, you know, over the years. So that, that's the, that would be the bad part I would say, but the, the good definitely outweighs the bad. And before I sum this up, uh, being part of our rescue team, through the works of the national guard and state police, mm -hmm. uh, the leadership of the team has gotten us into some pretty good training with it them. has. Yeah. We, we've, we've been working. Uh, we started uh, a program. Actually, we didn't start it. Uh, our friends down at Jessamine County really 
kind of kicked that off, but uh, we we've kind of taken it and ran with it. So the National Guard uh, start they came in last year, and we spent three or four days training with those folks uh, in the gorge. So they they're going to help us do search operations. We actually did a it was the first ever hoist operation in the state of Kentucky with a civilian. Uh, and that was at Natural Bridge. It was in Powell County, but we were there assisting uh, because we had trained with the National Guard. But uh, they actually did a hoist on a on a subject that was having some very serious medical conditions on top of Natural Bridge Arch. And uh, we took that training that we'd done the prior year and was able to get this lady out and uh, and save her life. And plus, it's pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. I mean, flying around in a black hawk. <laughs> hey, you know. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm all about that, and and now we're starting with the Kentucky State Police. Uh, They've got they don't have hoist capability yet, but they can do some uh, some uh, short hauls for us, where we have a a line down below their uh, their their helicopter, and they can hoist us in and out, or not hoist us, but lower us in and out. Uh, Maybe we repel out of that uh, particular helicopter. Uh, We're still working on how that's going to shake out, but primarily with them, I'm guessing it's going to be using that resource for searches. And we used them on one uh, in Menifee County back earlier in the year. So they spent yeah. sending their special response team and uh, assisted us with that one with those three lost hikers over in Menifee. Uh, Craig and I did a lost and found episode mm. on that particular okay. yeah. incident. So if you're interested in uh, that, go back and listen to it. Perfect. So here's what I want to bring up. We have listeners definitely here in Central Kentucky, but we are starting to gain listeners out in different states and and actually in different Mm -hmm. countries. France popped up the other day. If you're interested in the outdoors, then in your area, go and search for a search and rescue team. Go out and find one. Go talk to them and join and be part of it. You'll be around like-minded people. You'll get all kinds of training and you'll get the satisfaction. You know, I'm not going to lie. Whenever that phone call comes in at 1 a.m. and you have to get out of bed, you know, that's, that's challenging knowing that you got to continue to work early in the morning, but there's a satisfaction going into the woods and getting 50, 60 year old woman. And I say that because it's the one that always pops up in my head and you get to, or you climb the bank, you get to, you fight through the rhododendron, the mountain laurel, and you make eye contact and she starts Mm -hmm. crying. You know, that is, that is a a deep satisfaction. It It makes getting up, getting up, going to work at, you know, six or 7 a.m., easier yeah, so that's a great point. not just search and rescue but uh, volunteer firefighters and it's not just around here it's statewide the volunteer firefighter uh, system needs volunteers there's great satisfaction in that you'll get all kinds of training that might even help you someday in a fire in your house but uh, just about two months ago we went to a garage fire the garage is sitting right close to the house Naturally, we couldn't save the garage, but we saved the fire from getting into the house and burning that down. The, get out and help yeah. people and, and, and get back to your community. Absolutely. So anything else, John, you want to? No, I, I just adding on what you were saying there, you know, when that call comes in at one o'clock in the morning, that can be tough. That uh, To me, it's that initial moment of getting out of bed and getting dressed. But once I'm outside and I'm in the woods, I love it. You guys yes. are like I am. I mean, we love to be outside, out in the woods, and honestly, being out in the gorge, you know, in the middle of the night, you know, with the full moon, the stars are shining above you. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I just love it. So, you know, if I'm outside, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> Even though I may be sleepy yes, the next much. day, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy while I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah, very much. Craig, you have anything? I'm good, man. You want to close this out then? 
Yeah, guys and gals, thanks for listening in to Nature Reliance Media Podcast. We want to thank uh, Mr. John May for coming in. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you being here. As always, we do everything we can to help you all spend more time outside, do so safely. Sometimes that's helping you know how to use a knife safely. Sometimes that's telling you about a lost and found situation where you can learn from it. If you ever have any questions, then just throw us an email. Look in the description below for links to the blog, which will have the photos and the map that John described uh, throughout the podcast. That way you'll get a better look-see on what's going on and what happened there and all the good stuff that goes along with it. All right, guys and gals, as always with Nature Line School, come on, join in. Let's learn together. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Nature Reliance Media Podcast. We will do all we can to make this a great podcast, but we need your help. There are three simple and free ways you can help us out. Number one, subscribe to the podcast first. This ensures you get all episodes in a timely fashion. Number two, give us a great review. Five stars is fantastic, and where it is optional, please add in a sentence or two as well. We will read them all. Number three, share this podcast with your friends and family. As we move forward, leave us a voice message on Anchor or send us an email at info at naturereliance.org. We want this to be a mutually supportive community of listeners. Let us know what content you want to hear. If we can talk about it with experience, we will. And if we can't, we will find someone who can and interview them. Don't forget to look in the description below for links that we mentioned during the show. Come on, join in. Let's learn together. And that wraps up another fantastic episode of the Nature Reliance podcast. I hope today's journey has inspired you to explore and connect with the natural world in new and exciting ways. Before I say goodbye, remember to check out the Nature Reliance School online membership. If today's episode sparked your interest in wilderness skills and outdoor adventures, this online community is the perfect place for you to start or continue your journey. You can currently sign up for a year for only $99 and get two months for free. Click the link below to discover a world of expert-led courses, engaging content, and a vibrant community eager to share their knowledge and experiences. Whether you're starting your outdoor journey or looking to deepen your existing skills, the Nature Reliance School online membership is here to guide you. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe for more adventures and share this podcast with your fellow nature enthusiasts. Until next time, come on, join in. Let's learn together.